Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is ready for you. We actually have a good martini in three different parts today. So hopefully that makes up a little bit for yesterday's lack of a good martini. Bad and crazy. Also, uh, Jim... We have two fine sponsors today in Fast Growing Trees and MyPillow, but I I believe, even though uh, they're not an official sponsor today, uh, 24, 20th Century Fox, and perhaps just Jack Bauer personally are sponsors of our first (laughs) Good Martini today. And the the simple truth is is that Joe Biden's uh, legislative agenda is running out of time. Uh, and so whether we're talking about uh, voting uh, reforms, where the feds pretty much want to take over everything, do away with voter ID uh, and, and other uh, lists of horribles that uh, we don't want a part of, uh, Joe Manchin is, uh, at least for the moment, against that. So that can't move. Uh, the gun background checks bill uh, is not going to to move forward it looks it still could chris murphy of connecticut thinks it still has a chance but chris murphy thinks a lot of things that aren't true uh so we'll see if that actually uh gets an up or down vote and then uh there is also time running out for an infrastructure deal it looks like the two sides are are further apart than ever i would be less optimistic about that one because uh, i would think that those on the margins uh, of the democratic party like mansion and cinema and kelly will find a way to get on board with the biden proposal if they can't forge common ground with republicans so i'm less excited about that one uh but jim uh if we can get rid of the first two that's really really good and if we can water down how much biden wants to spend on infrastructure uh that would certainly be good as well so the fact that the clock is ticking uh hopefully there's a silent clock on a lot of these uh, far left pieces of legislation, which if you're not familiar with 24, means they're dead. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you notice that, you know, for the first hundred days, there was a celebration of, oh my goodness, what an effective president Biden is. Look at that COVID-19 relief bill. And, you know, yes, they had to force it through and they didn't get too many votes and, and all that kind of stuff. But, oh, you know, and, and then all of a sudden here we are a month later and really not much has happened on a bunch of these fronts. And, I'm sure the Biden administration would say, well, this is because we're trying to work with Republicans and Republicans are being stubborn. And at some point, our patience is going to run out and we're just going to do what we want to do. Um, it's not clear whether they you know, uh, will get rid of the filibuster and things like that. But let's observe, um, in a lot of these cases, the problem is not that Democrats cannot reach 60 votes in the Senate. The problem is that they cannot reach 50 votes in the Senate, <laughs> that you cannot get either Joe Manchin and or Kirsten Sinema, and or uh, Mark Kelly, also a Democrat of Arizona, and or a couple handful of others who are not on board with this, who can kind of see this causing significant backlash in their purple districts or in their purple states. Um, let's remember that uh, Kelly's got to get up for re-election in 2022, and so does uh, Raphael Warnock. I don't think Warnock is governing like a guy who's worried about uh, sticking around in a purple state, but uh, nonetheless, he will be face the consequences for that. And, you know, given, you know, I think it's likely that something on infrastructure gets passed this year. It, you know, at this point, a bipartisan deal does not appear likely. It appears it's going to be much more of a party line vote. And Democrats may well decide, well, if Republicans aren't going to be on board, we might as well just spend whatever we want and go straight, you know, go right ahead. I think this does also point out like the voting rights bill looks dead, uh, certainly doesn't look very likely. And, you know, it's, you know, the gun control proposals certainly aren't going to be bipartisan. And I think 
based on history, uh, you know, any Democrat who represents a red or purple state will recognize, eh, guys, we've, we've done this before. This was a factor in 1994. This was a factor in 2010. This was a factor. Every time Republicans have a good election cycle, chances are the Second Amendment was on there. Um, and it's just, a, we'll just be, we'll, we will be interesting to see, but let's observe, we haven't had um, that many foreign policy crises, I think you could probably throw the, the, the pipeline shut down and, and some issues in, you know, in that category. We haven't had a sudden uh, vacancy on the Supreme Court. What happens to every administration is they come in with this big to-do list and then bit by bit events happen and they start eating up the time and attention and energy of the administration. So they have less and less left over to get big complicated bills through Congress and, and you know, herding cats, which is tough to do under the very best of times. So all in all, I think there's a sudden realization amongst Democrats that Biden doesn't have the momentum that they thought he had, that in fact, he's gotten one big thing bill that was probably the easiest one he was going to get, and that it's going to be an uphill climb from here on out. Jim, what do you make of these polls? And I know we've been leery of polls since uh, so many of them were so wrong, not only on the presidential race last year, at least in terms of the margins, but on a lot of the Senate races as well. You see these lopsided numbers in favor of different Biden agenda items. Uh, The infrastructure bill in particular, I think, has been up in the 60s and 70s. Is it just a matter of uh, pollsters saying, are you for better infrastructure uh, or is it a matter of uh, people not being told by pollsters, hey, yeah, uh, they're putting huge chunks of the Green New Deal, which would kill the economy in this legislation? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen specifically, I'd like to use that example from the environmental issues. People are always willing for clean energy until they get told, you know, how much, you know, how much more are you willing to pay per month in your electricity bill in order to support clean energy? And I think it tops out at like five bucks a month. <laughs> Beyond that, I was like, whoa, whoa, I'm not paying more than hundred bucks a year, more than I'm currently paying for this. Um, that once people, what people generally believe this, they, they love these ideas as long as they believe somebody else is paying. If they start realizing, oh, wait, this is going to have a cost to me, all of a sudden that you know, most, most of the support for these things is a mile wide for an inch deep and an inch deep. Um, and probably the great contrast to this would be gun control. Yeah, you can f- ask a lot of questions that will show you broad public support for gun control, but the people who oppose it, even if it's a minority, in some polling, it's not a minority at all. Um, they are the folks who vote on it. The NRA voters and, and you know, second gun owners generally vote on these issues and will vote for somebody who they like on this issue, even if they got some problems on some other issues. Um, and the, the, the reverse is not necessarily the same. People who are gun control supporters tend to be kind of, I don't say wishy-washy about it, but it's not down to the marrow of their bones sort of issue that drives people to the polls. Uh, You often see Republicans complaining that they have the same views as African-Americans on issues like school choice, but African-Americans up until fairly recently generally didn't vote for Republicans much at all. Well, you know, they agree with you. That's just not necessarily the issue that they're going to make their decision on. And it's not a strong enough issue to overcome all of their preferences and all the other issues and stuff. This is an issue that does matter to people and Democrats cross that at their peril. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And the risk of mixing pop culture metaphors at this point, I would call these pieces of legislation mostly dead. Uh, And uh, so uh, let's hope they get uh, all dead soon. All right. uh, Let's talk about our first great sponsor, as I mentioned up top, Fast Growing Trees. Look, you've probably worked on a couple of things around the house since the start of the pandemic, had some repair work done. Maybe you've uh, decided to take a closer look at the landscaping this year. Well, now is the time to turn your yard into a paradise with fastgrowingtrees.com. Have you been to those big nurseries and big box stores? 
They're, they're like a maze. So skip the big box stores. Head to fastgrowingtrees.com, which is the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines or messy cars or digging through a lackluster selection. You just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, and plants expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. Whether you're looking for shade or privacy or fruit trees, or you just want to add some color to your yard, every plant is shipped in a with a well-developed root system and it's ready to explode with new growth. Yes, uh, for outside and inside. And that's the option we took. As I mentioned uh, the last time we talked about fast-growing trees, we got the Benjamina ficus, which my wife and daughters have simply named Benjamina now. And as I uh, said, Benjamina ficus was perfect for me because of my lack of a green thumb. It said it thrives with neglect. Uh, so there's no better tip-off that that's the perfect tree for me. Uh, and we, uh, of course, couldn't water it while we were on vacation. Came back, uh, and Benjamina, as she is called, is uh, doing fine over there, uh, just to the side of the front window. So uh, I love fastgrowingtrees.com. It's a really simple site to use, and they give you a great product, too. Uh, there is a better way to buy trees and shrubs for your home and yard. It's fastgrowingtrees.com. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, the 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. Now through June 30th, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash martini for 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash martini. Don't forget the martini uh, for the discount. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's go to our bad martini now. And there's a lot of... Hollywood tough guys, but it appears that some of them are only tough according to the script. Uh, when it comes to the real world, others tend to wilt pretty quickly. The latest example of this is WWE superstar. I don't know if he's still in there or not, but he certainly was for many years. John Cena. Uh, he uh, then turned to a uh, an actor. He was in the Marine and some other things. And his latest movie is Fast and Furious 9. Well, not sure why we need nine of those, but nonetheless, uh, he was doing an interview on the Taiwanese broadcasting network TVBS uh, during a promotional tour for Fast and Furious 9, and he referred Jim to Taiwan as a country. Oh, no. So as a response, John Cena, in Chinese, has released a statement uh, apologizing, although he never specifically says what he's apologizing for, but that's clearly... Uh, what happened? He says, Hi, China. I'm John Cena. I'm in the middle of Fast and Furious 9 promotions. I'm doing a lot of interviews. I made a mistake in one of my interviews. Everyone was asking me if I could use uh, Chinese and staff gave me a lot of information. So there was a lot of interviews and information. He said in Mandarin, I made one mistake. I have to say something very, very, very important now. I love and respect China and Chinese people. I'm very, very sorry about my mistake. I apologize. I apologize. I'm very sorry. You must understand that I really love, really respect China and the Chinese people. My apologies. See you. I assume that his tongue still tastes like their boots, Jim, because, I mean, that's about the most uh, boot-looking, groveling uh, thing you could you could hear. It's not like he insulted someone's culture or uh, made some sort of epithet that was uh, 
direct or, or, or misperceived in translation or something like that. No, he had the temerity to call Taiwan a country, which I believe is the official U.S. position. Uh, and because of uh, Hollywood being so dependent on China and groveling to China, we've got to have this uh, obsequious apology here. So uh, first, it's the NBA, LeBron and the commissioner. And uh, I'm sure we've had other examples that I can't think of off the top of my head. And now we have this. Yeah. So John Cena should not get tough guy roles anymore. <laughs> if if you need the guy who gets his sand kicked in his face, and it's a shame because he seems like a likable enough actor and screen persona and kind of goofy with the kids and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is, this is embarrassing. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed on his behalf and I don't know him. I don't you know. I, I, you, you would think he could have said something like, Oh, I, you know, I'm an actor. I didn't mean to wade into international relate. You know, there could have been ways where he could have like brushed it off. You know, checked the box of you know looking like he was not alienating China because look he wants Fast and Furious twenty seven whatever the hell they're up to right now you know I think, <laughs> I think I think it's up to nine but it's opening up and the international film market is getting back to normal as the pandemic gradually recedes and they want access to the Chinese market now my colleague Jack Butler had this very you know uh, intriguing article over the weekend because kind of talking about the the state of Marvel cinema Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he pointed out that they have two big films coming out. One is Shang-Chi and the other one is The Eternals. Um, judging from the trailer yesterday, the second one should, should be called Eternally Boring. Uh, but the, they're both, one is features a Chinese-American uh, director and the other one is set uh, with kind of a Chinese Kung Fu style mythology. And apparently the Chinese government isn't liking either one of them. Apparently they're the Chinese director once said something that the uh, Chinese government didn't like years and years ago. Therefore, they can't be a uh, uh, Chinese are playing hardball on, on getting the film released in China. And apparently, they're gonna. They're, the Chinese government basically looks for reasons to get irked. That's why the Taiwan patch that was on Tom Cruise's uh, leather jacket in Tom in Top Gun way back then. In the sequel, the flag has been changed. We can't even show the historically accurate Taiwanese flag that was in the first one. Um, Marvel may well end up losing this. It is the, the last point I just want to point out the, the John Cena stuff is that here he is groveling, scraping the ground, begging for forgiveness. Greg, every year, sometime in like late winter, early spring, we have the Oscars ceremony. And then Hollywood tells us, God, how brave they are, you know, how, how bold, how much they're willing to stand up for what is right and how they're, you know, stand for noble causes and justice and all this good stuff. And here they are begging a dictatorial authoritarian regime that is engaged in genocide. And they, you know, and John Cena can't look at that and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. And same thing for the NBA, same thing for most of the America's business community. It is absolutely disgusting. And it is kind of an interesting revelation of just how much these self-professed tough guys get to be not all that tough at all when they're suddenly told, hey, you're endangering our access to the Chinese market. This means millions or billions to us. You better get on your knees and start begging for forgiveness. No, it's it's absolutely incredible. And he was they they clearly booked him a media appearance on Taiwanese television. What did they think was going to happen? Uh, you know, he just makes an offhand comment about their country. But uh, yes, we can't talk about uh, genocide. Uh, what is it about uh, Hollywood now? I mean, obviously, there's a huge Chinese market there. But why can't a production company just 
say to the Chinese Communist Party, go pound sand, or if they're really worried and they feel like they need to say something about it, just simply send out a one-sentence statement that said John Cena was not making a political statement. Why this type of statement? Uh, in part because the Chinese were be unlikely to be placated by one sentence. They 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 clearly they they know exactly what they're doing here, and they know that they have the power. You know, uh, the power here, and they know that they have the leverage, and they know that they can make them. And this sends a clear signal to any other uh, actor or actress or figure in Hollywood who might feel like, hey, we should say something on behalf of Hong Kong, or we should say something on behalf of the Uyghurs and point out that gen- a genocide is going on. Um, that even if you know. Because it's not just a message to John Cena. It is a message to any actor who wants to be in a Disney production. It's a message to anybody who wants to do any of the work, ever write a screenplay for a Disney film. You know, this is a clear signal to everybody else. It's a deterrent, and it appears to be very, very effective so far. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I yeah, I know there's a billion-plus people over there. I don't even know why there would be a need for a one-sentence statement, honestly. Just tell him no. They, the, the interview stands. He said what he said and, and move on. If you don't want Fast and Furious 9, well, too bad. I, I didn't watch the first eight, so it's not going to affect me one way or the other. All right, but let's talk about something more comfortable than watching John Cena beg for forgiveness over uh, a simple statement, and that is uh, my pillow. We've talked about their uh, products Many different times we've talked about the towels, we've talked about uh, the sheets, uh, we've talked about the slippers, but now you can uh, also uh, get the pillows at an excellent discount. And look, the pillows are what started this whole thing. I first got one as a gift, like I mentioned yesterday. Uh, there's no pillow uh, that I like as much as the My Pillow. I knew it right away, and I've kept one ever since. And uh, now you can refresh the pillows of every room in your home because the premium My Pillow is at its lowest price ever. The current offer is that for a limited time, you can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for just $29.98. King pillows are just $5 more. Now, the premium pillows never go flat, and they give you the best night's sleep every night. They're made right here in the United States, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee, a one-year limited warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. And while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium MyPillow today for only $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, on to the crazy martini now. And it's always uh, a little bit of a chore to determine whether or not we should bother to spend time talking about Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She always uh, seems to be saying something kind of stupid. And so uh, do you just ignore it, which should probably be the thing that's most hurtful for her? Or do you call out the stupidity on some of these things that she's saying? So today we're going to call it out. And uh, she's had a number of comments about uh, how proof of vaccination is like wearing the gold stars in the Nazi era. Uh, As uh, we have discussed many times on the podcast, I am an ardent opponent of uh, vaccine passports, uh, but this is definitely over the line. The latest uh, uh, situation is uh, related to a situation in Tennessee, not even in her state, but uh, Food City, the grocery chain in East Tennessee based in Knoxville, uh, beginning Thursday, May 20th, vaccinated store associates and customers will not be required to wear a face mask inside the grocery store. Employees who have been fully vaccinated will have a vaccination logo displayed on their name badge. 
Food City advised customers who have not been fully vaccinated or those who prefer to do so as a safety precaution to continue wearing a face covering. So Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, retweets this story and then says in her own tweet, vaccinated employees get a vaccination logo, just like the Nazis forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. Vaccine passports and mask mandates create discrimination against unvaxxed people who trust their immune systems to a virus that is 99% survivable. And so, uh, Jim, I don't like uh, the idea of... Uh, of uh, vaccine passports. I think it's way too intrusive onto people's personal decisions. And uh, since the vaccines seem to be pretty effective, I'm not sure uh, why those who have them should be all that concerned about folks who don't. But as we have also said many times on the podcast, uh, when you immediately jump to the Nazi comparison, you have immediately forfeited the debate. So uh, what do you make of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene? I don't know, maybe in general, but uh, certainly in this situation. Yeah, and if listeners out there are like, oh, why are Jim and Greg talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene? I, I hear you. I get it. I, I I do like to believe that a stifling of oxygen would make her shrivel up and go away and no longer um, pollute our public discourse with these asinine and off-base historical comparisons. It's worth noting that, like, you know, she's not on any, you know, committees anymore for the, the Republican Party. She's not, you know, so she doesn't have much to do other than to just sit around and tweet crazy ideas, I suppose. Um, but at some point, these comparisons really do get so far off base and seem so spectacularly ill-considered. Because, Greg, you have, can't help but notice, like, there are groups of Palestinian activists, and I'm making air quotes as I say that, because once you start hitting people, you're not an activist anymore, you're a thug. Uh, who are basically targeting Jews in New York City and Los Angeles, right? So of all the times to say, we're just like the Jews in the Holocaust. Yeah, no, this is a really, yeah. this is always a bad comparison, but this is a particularly awful time for Marjorie Taylor Greene to say that, you know, uh, people who have to show proof of vaccination are just like, I mean, here's the thing. It's not like she says, this is comparable or this is how it starts. This is the first step on a slippery slope. I don't agree, necessarily agree with that, but I could at least, we can have that discussion. But no, no, she's got to say it's just like the Nazis forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. Um, I, I'd be curious how to rectify how she sees that and her belief in the Jewish space laser uh, that she believes that, uh, that, that Israel can use to smite its enemies and things like that. Deeply frustrating. Apparently, Kevin McCarthy finally, after being harangued for a couple of days uh, or for, for some time, was, you know, issued a statement. I think the other thing I just want to know is the, the craziness of the, this martini. Greg, do you remember early on in this Congress where Marjorie Taylor Greene began the first wave of this continuing process of saying something outrageous, getting an enormous amount of media attention for it, basking in the media attention? And notice she gets a lot more media attention than, say, anybody who's like introducing legislation mm -hmm. or getting bills passed or anything that's actually going to affect people's lives. No, no, no. Marjorie Taylor Greene has figured out that much of the way the government is covered today by the national news media is indistinguishable from a contest on cable news to say who can say the most outrageous thing. She has effectively hacked the system. You could be somebody like Pat Toomey or somebody working really hard to get bills passed. That's not going to turn you into a superstar. Saying crazy things does. But the first time this came down, remember the, you know, there was this you know, tisk tisk from Republican leaders, and she said she was going to change. She said she was going to turn over a new leaf. We would be getting a kindler and gentler Marjorie Taylor Greene. Greg, what happened? Didn't get it. Yeah, didn't get it. I don't think she ever meant it. Really? You don't think? Oh, man. Yeah, it's... 
no, there's no way to defend uh, uh, her on this. And uh, I think she's uh, easy fodder for the, the media, like you said. I, 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 as I think we've said before, it's interesting how the crazy left uh, gets much more respectful coverage, whether it's Omar or, or Tlaib or, or AOC. But uh, let's just say there's uh, there's crazies in Congress. And uh, like you said, there are people trying to advance serious uh, issues like uh, how to help small businesses reopen and recover and, and thrive uh, after the pandemic and that sort of thing. And I think uh, the people who actually roll up their sleeves are boring to the media. So it's like this uh, self-perpetuating beast of uh, the crazy gets the coverage and therefore the coverage drives more crazy. Hey, is it Friday yet, Greg? Uh, I wish. I wish. But no, not yet, Jim. <laughs> Have a great day. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast and tell your friends to do the same. We'd appreciate that. We also appreciate your very kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Also, remember, you can get us on those home devices. Just say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Tuesday, and please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. There always seems to be something crazy going on in the news, but don't worry, because we're here to help break it all down for you. Woke culture is taking over and creating new words every day. Tensions are still high in the Israel-Palestinian conflict, and new mask mandates are being issued. So get ready for a maskless summer. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.